G'day and welcome to another episode of Women's Baseball, The Inside Pitch. In celebration of the 2021 Women in Baseball Week, which runs July 25 to 31, and also in recognition of the 20th anniversary of the inaugural Women's World Series held back in 2001, I'll bring to you a special three-part podcast series. The theme for Women in Baseball Week in 2021 is Breaking Barriers, Women in Baseball Around the World and the 2001 Women's World Series did just that. In 2000, American Jim Glennie made a call to Japan, Canada, and Australian baseball representatives asking them to travel to Canada to play an international women's baseball tournament. The World Series, as it was dubbed, was won by the USA and featured games at the Toronto Sky Dome, and it was the precursor of the Women's World Cup as we know it today. The first episode in this three-part series features Donna Mills of the USA. Donna took part in the 2001 series and credits the tournament for launching her baseball career that boasts dual World Cup gold in 2004 and 2006, in addition to the World Cup MVP honours in 2006. I caught up with Donna to discuss her beginnings in T-ball, breaking a whole host of college softball records which still stand to this day, all about her World Cup feats, and then I challenge her to see what she remembers of that first World Series all these years later. Hope you enjoy it. Donna Mills, welcome to Women's Baseball, The Inside Pitch. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Whereabouts are we talking to you from today? Where in the world are you? I am in Danvers, Massachusetts. Let me first apologize for my Boston accent. (laughs) Um, We don't pronounce our R's. Um, And um, I... I tend to talk fast, um, so I'll try to slow it down. And I can't, I can't pronounce my eyes. <laughs> um, so I'm in Danvers, Massachusetts, which is about 25 minutes north um, of Boston, Massachusetts, um, on the east coast of the United States. Nice. So I, I, uh, I'm forever apologizing for my accent and I talk really, really fast. So I'm hoping everyone can keep up. Maybe I'll have to slow the speed down when I put it online. Um, <laughs> now, the other question I like to start off with is how did you get baseball in your day? I know you're coming to the, to the end of your day. Have you got baseball in the day and how? Um, retired from baseball um, entirely. Um, however, now I coach. I'm still involved. Um, we we have just formed in 2019. We have formed the um, American Girls Baseball, the AGB. It is an affiliate of the All American Girls Professional Baseball League. It is the players' legacy is what we're trying to pursue um, in giving girls the opportunity to play baseball. So we are currently. Um, it's just in the creation phase. We're moving forward and trying to develop different events for, to provide opportunities for girls to play baseball. Nice. And you did that. Is that something you, you, uh, took part in today or? Um, yes, we just last night and today we, I just wrapped up. We had, um, we were selecting players. Um, we're doing scouting. We have a, a meeting last night. We had another meeting scheduled today. So that's how baseball is still in my life today. Awesome. Well, we will get on to the American Girls Baseball a bit later in the podcast. But I want to I start off, I want to take you back, and I actually want to read you something 
I'm reading something that you said, which comes from Jennifer Ring's book, A Game of Their Own. Yeah. For those that haven't read this book, I encourage you to go out and get it. It's an amazing book about all about the American women's baseball team and some stories, and there's a whole chapter on you. I'm not going to lie when it, I say it brought tears to my eyes. It made me smile. It made me laugh. I thought it was amazing. And this is something you said in the opening, your opening page. It says, I was forced away from my love simply because I was a little girl. It broke my heart. It disappointed me just to fall in love all over again the following spring. My true love is baseball. I can't live without it. It's what drives me. The vehicle to express myself, my stage to perform. It's what I'm most passionate about in my life. I think that is one of the most powerful things I've ever read. And I want you to tell our listeners, where did you say that and why? That was a speech that I, that I developed um, for my 2007 Hall of Fame um, banquet and to my high school Hall of Fame, um, Lynn Vocational Technical Institute. Uh, that was, we had to give a speech and that was my speech, was my poem. It was quite more extensive than that. Yes. I'm, I was talking about my love um, in 2007. But the interesting thing was that was your, you were being inducted to the Softball Hall of Fame. Yes. And there you were giving a speech about baseball. Yes. And um, yes. And, and I made that quite clear that I was speaking of baseball. Yep. Um, yes, and I also got inducted into my softball, my college Hall of Fame. <laughs> it still spoke of baseball. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I didn't know baseball. I mean, I'm, I didn't know softball until my freshman year of high school. Mm. I played baseball all through Little League, and I didn't know any, I didn't know any better. <laughs> so, I didn't, so it was perfect. Well, it's interesting. Your story is so similar to so many girls that play baseball you start out in t-ball you play and then you you get sort of forced across into into baseball and thankfully you're someone who we get we got back um but tell me how you got started in baseball and some of your early memories from when you first started in that little league i um i played baseball for the pine hill little league of lynn massachusetts my hometown and my mom i have an older brother who's three years older than me so my mother had signed my brother up for baseball and you know she she was a single mother so she was looking at it like oh well maybe i'll sign you up too and it was like the perfect you know we had some place to go on the weekends and mm. the you know the baseball field would babysit me and <laughs> little did she know that i would fall in love and you know with this game and be totally committed to it and you know, and, and, you know, fall, just fall in love with the game and then the, the friendships and even as a child, like, and luckily I had at the time, I mean, we were very successful. We had won the city series and I had a great group of teammates and coaches who totally embraced me and it, it, being a girl. And I wasn't the only girl, like at that time, there were other girls playing little league baseball. Yep. which was 19 in the early 80s um so it was still it was something that girls were still doing yep. and i was welcomed i wasn't discriminated against and i had a great little league baseball experience i mean it you know lots of memories that i'll cherish for a lifetime and still connecting with those same teammates that are boys 
still today on social media. It's great. Oh, so. that is awesome. That is so cool. What was it about the baseball? You, you talk, everyone talks about the community and that is so huge. What was it about the actual playing that you loved? We, I mean, I grew up in a, you know, a very diverse community. Um, at the time, Little League Baseball was booming. I mean, the, the numbers were, we had a number of different um, leagues across the entire city. So, I mean, the, the, it was much different than it is today. I mean, today we're struggling to even form a team. Um, and it was those friendships and those memories, I mean, of getting a foul ball and then going to the concession stand and getting a, you know, a juice drink, a free juice drink. I mean, that's, that, that's what the, you know, the baseball field, that's what, and, and you looked forward to being able to play on the big field that was fenced in, yeah. you know, through B farm, um, and a farm, you played on, you know, a, a rickety old field, yep. but then once you made majors, you got onto the big, the big fenced in field with, with um, like with actual stadium seating. So, I mean, that was a, it was a big deal. And to be accepted and to be able to play at that level mm. and to not even, I mean, as a kid, I didn't even recognize that I was, you know, that I was playing on the big field, but it was something I was, you know, it was my goal to get to the big field. That, so. that is awesome. Yeah. We used to have the, the, get a, get a ball traded in for a Coke down here and yeah, look, we still play on rickety fields, but, um, that's oh, awesome. But look, you, so you played there until you're about 12 and then like a lot of girls, you sort of find a few walls and a few barriers and you sort of can't go on uh, i read that you're too old for babe babe ruth baseball so they sent you across to the softball so tell me about that when you sort of weren't allowed to play baseball anymore what did that feel like you know they said at the time they you know i was in middle school um i was in seventh grade and they said you know over there is you know senior league and oh I, I you know i was like okay i i didn't even I didn't pursue it. I didn't, I, I turned to basketball and, you know, I played the summers. I played, um, you know, in a few basketball leagues and started um, playing basketball and kind of, you know, never looked back at baseball because it was just something I stayed athletic and, you know, I had friends and we, whatever, we spent our every day at the park. So, and then, um, then my freshman year and my first day at high school, I was introduced to softball, um, so I was. I just went and played softball, and the, ironically, the baseball coach. I was very close with the baseball coach in high school, and you know he he said he 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 said even as a freshman that you can come on board and play baseball for me. He's like, but you know you you're looking at second base, and you know with this group of of young men that we have, that's where you would be. And I just, I stuck it out and went to softball and right, my first day at practice, my coach said that, you know, the softball coach said, you will go to, you'll go to college. You'll, you'll get a scholarship and you will go to college. She was, she said, you're going to be my catcher. <laughs> so, yeah. So is that, is um, that one of the main reasons I know I spoke with Chelsea Falken before uh, in my previous episode and she was talking about the opportunities in softball is so gr so much greater than baseball. Was that opportunity of a college scholarship sort of dangled in front of you? Is that sort of the reason you pursued softball? No. <laughs> no, at the time. I mean, you know, college, I was a freshman in high school. It wasn't even something that I was thinking about, but it was 
that was what was in front of me. I mean, I played basketball too in high school and um, playing softball in college. I mean, it was, I mean, softball in high school was, it was great to learn the game. And it was something again, that I was successful at the second I picked up a softball. I was, we, we had success and, you know, we turned the program around and it, and I mean, it was, I didn't think twice about it. Yep. So clearly you've playing a lot of sports. You're very, very talented. How much harder was, so I mean, I've never played softball after the age of about 10. So, and I never would want to, it's, just too hard. Um, how difficult did you find it? Well, clearly you didn't, but. <laughs> um, the, it's, it's apples and oranges. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's terrible that we get grouped together always oh. as, you know, softball and baseball is the same things only for us. <laughs> I mean, yeah. we're talking about our male counterpart. It doesn't happen. They don't group this. Yeah, together. you're right. Actually. Yeah. The women, we do. Yeah. Um, it is apples and oranges. It's, you know, uh, uh, the opportunity to play, like what I have found is that the girls who, even to this day, my, this theory holds true, that the girls who come up playing baseball here in the States, um, whatever level it is that you play, um, whether it's Little League or Babe Ruth, um, or the different variations of the different leagues that they have here in the States, girls, baseball coaches are more knowledgeable. They tend to be men and coming up, they tend to know more about the game than if we are growing up playing girls softball here in the States. Cause the softball coaches are still our, usually our dads, yep. our volunteers are usually dads and great that they're volunteering, but they don't know the game of softball. So that's where the, the deficit is that we, I, it's my theory that if you grow up as a girl playing baseball, that you have more knowledge of the game and your abilities are that much greater from playing baseball and playing with the boys and competing with the boys. Yes. That much better. Yep. Same thing holds true here in the States for girls hockey is that a lot of the girls come up playing against the boys. Yep. And once they enter the girls game, there's no checking. There's no, I mean, uh, when they play against other girls, there's mm. no checking. Yep. But when they grow up playing with checking, they're that much more advanced. And then they go on to play against girls and with girls, and the game becomes that much of a faster game and a game of speed. Yes. So it's that much, that, that's where the deficit exists. That. So I look at your, I mean, it's going to take me half an hour to read out your stats, but your career at your high school and your, you, you took a college scholarship and you set 21 school records, which still 16 to stand today. So like batting average season, slugging percentage in a season, runs career, senior season. I don't have time on um, this podcast. We don't have enough time to read out all your stats. Clearly, clearly you were very good at softball. Just going to your college scholarship, you, I, I read from your book that you weren't, didn't come from an ac academic high school and it's almost like you had to work harder off the field just to keep that scholarship. Can you talk to us about that? Yes. I, um, so I went to a technical school and that taught us a trade and I chose the trade of graphic arts. Um, and I, chose that trade. And my mother was the one who sent me to 
the, the trade high school. There was four high schools to choose from in the city of Lynn that I grew up in, and my mother was very strong, a very strong voice in sending me to the trade school. So I went, and um, it was like athletics for my mother was, for me, was secondary. But, um, I, you know, she was like, you'll, you'll learn a trade, and you'll be able to play sports. So I never picked up graphic arts, not even for a day after high school. <laughs> um, so, but I was, my junior and senior years of high school, I was recruited by, I was recruited by Harvard. Um, I speak of that <laughs> little um, dialogue I had with the Harvard softball coach out when we were out and playing in California. Um, and, you know, I was recruited by a lot of the local colleges, um, Division One schools, D, um, D2, and I ended up going um, to UMass Lowell. Luckily, I went in on a trial basis, on a, a trial program, which was called EOP. It was um, Equal Opportunities Program. So I, I, I went in, <laughs> God, I went in with all the chips stacked against me. Um, you know, I had to redshirt from softball, which didn't permit me to play softball. I could pra practice with the team. I could go to attend meetings and stuff, but I was not allowed to practice or play my whole freshman first year. Wow. So I had to, I had to take the classes, college classes. I had to take, I think, um, I forget how many credits, but you had to take so many credits and get uh, C or better or see you're better in order to qualify to accept like your actual acceptance into the college and upon accept acceptance into the college that's when my scholarship kicked in and i was able to do it but i feel i flunked out my first semester i went in and i, I again i had the whole world stacked up against me um I went in as an exercise physiology major from graphic <laughs> art to exercise physiology and somebody permitted that. But anyways, um, I quickly changed majors to criminal justice and uh, after that, five years later, graduated and with my degree and luckily it all worked out. <laughs> So what did you take from that experience? I mean, having to work so hard, I mean, clearly softball was a passion, but getting that degree, I mean, there was, that, you it would have, yeah, you would have taken so much from that experience. You know, at the time I was, th you know, it, so, so stress, it was so stressful mm. to think that, you know, this is what's dangling and, you know, you know, full scholarship, you know, you're going to be permitted to play softball. And I say it now that I went to college to play softball. Mm. <laughs> I, I majored in softball. I went to college to play softball. And that's essentially, you know, <laughs> what happened. <laughs> um, but luckily, I mean, luckily, I'm, I'm truly blessed that it all worked out and that I did. I, I got a degree and um, uh, yeah, knock on wood, it all worked out. Well, so. yeah, I mean, I, I see you're working as a court officer in the Lynn District Court. You've been there for, what, 25 years? So it's all yes. clearly clearly worked out. So that was about mid to mid 90s or so. You, after softball, you went to work. Um, and I see you sort of played some pickup leagues, um, softball and women's baseball. You sort of stayed in touch with the game. But then in 2001, you met Jim Glennie. Yes. And I, for anyone that knows or doesn't know Jim Glennie, Jim Glennie is almost like the 
grandfather of he's the founding father of this this generation of women's baseball he's he's the one that sort of picked up the the old school telephone dialed the numbers back back in the day and, and started reaching out to to people not just in the states but around the world reached out to australia and things like that and tell me about your first meeting with with jim um my first meeting with jim was at one of our tryouts that he was running and I understand that you know jim glennie he he's i mean we're so grateful i am so grateful for jim glennie because he's the one who has kept the women's game of baseball here in the united states he is who we have to thank for mm. all of our opportunities. Um, like you said, he's he's got the in, he had the international connections. He's the one who created the World Series. Um, so my first interaction with Jim Glennie was at his tryout here in the Northeast of of the United States. He held a tryout and on his own dime he traveled, and he tried to conduct you know these tryouts for the USA team at the time the USA Eagles, um, but he, he is, he did it legit. I mean, he traveled on his own dime and he hand selected his team. Um, and he gave, I mean, he, and he selected a very talented team. Um, and, uh, you know, obviously he didn't have the budget, um, and the funding that, you know, we wish he did. Um, we wish all of us did, but I mean, we are, I am so thankful and grateful for Jim Glennie. Mm. And he picked up the phone. Um, so he, there was a team that, a, a US team that went to Japan in the year 2000. But then he reached out to obviously Japan, Australia and Canada and said, let's get a World Series. Let's get something going for 2001. And Australia jumped on board. Everyone jumped on board. And those were the tryouts that you were talking about was for the 2001 World Series that was scheduled uh, in uh, sort of the reason why I'm talking to you. One of the reasons is it's 20 years since that first World Series. So it's really, really significant. It would have been held like literally right now. So you talk about those trials. What was it like to be there? You were, you'd played baseball as a, as a kid, you've gone to softball and now you're looking at a a national trial for a U.S. women's national team? So at the time, um, so 1999, we had formed here in the United States, up in my neighborhood, um, formed the New England Women's Baseball League. So they were actually already in existence. There was a 14 league and it was very competitive. Um, and then in the next year, in 2000, they expanded to six teams. So this was like the... So in 2000, the year 2000 is when I got back into baseball. And um, so we had, this was the hotbed was right here in New England. It was, you know, the best women's baseball around. Um, So we had um, been given the opportunity to play in a league against all women. And we were able to, and then travel the tournaments um, and see what was out there. So we knew like across the entire United States, we knew where base, women's baseball was, yep. that, you know, what we were part of. So we knew what our competition was. We knew, you know, and for Jim Glennie to then go and be able to select, hand select that team and bring us all together and then go on and win the first ever World Series was, was pretty remarkable that Jim Glennie was able to do that. Yeah. Um, just, 
Jim Glennie. <laughs> yeah, like, uh, he's just, I've met him a number of times and he's amazing. Um, and look, it's amazing what he did, but it's, it's amazing what you girls did or you women did as a team. Um, what do you remember from, uh, I guess, the first time you were together? What was that experience like? You know, looking back now, it's been 20 years, it's been 20 years. <laughs> Um, that you know, but we're still having a lot of the same discussions here in the United States that of things that we've already done and battled in 2000 in 2001. So I mean, but baseball then, who knew? I mean, we didn't know that we were going to step on stage in Toronto and you know and go out and you know and win the World Series and win big against Japan mm. and you know what we were starting in the year 2001 like that was it was huge the what we were the four of us the united states canada australia and japan who knew that that was gonna what it was going to evolve into yeah over the next years yeah following now i missed that world series i wasn't around i, I came on board the next year um so i sort of love to hear the stories of that world series what were your memories from that very first game I just I remember like our teammates we had we were, had rosters of twenty five players mm. so the the rosters were so much larger than World Cup rosters and I remember like the the pitching staff I remember like wow like where did these you know it was like where did these women come from <laughs> it was like you know like we we had seen I'd traveled I'd gone to um, Montreal Canada and I had been up to Toronto I'd played in a few tournaments down in Florida. But it was like, wow, like right here in the United States, like these, yeah, where did she come from? Because <laughs> like, I was like, wow, these, these women are incredible. Like they're, like, this is the competition, like unbelievable that we were every, you know, every time we stepped on the field that up and um, we got to play in the Sky Dome. Like that was the old Sky Dome, the old surface, still the same Sky Dome, but I mean, absolutely incredible experience. Like the memories, the memories. I remember the Hard Rock Cafe out in the outfield. <laughs> yeah, and, and what do you remember from the other teams? I mean, I know Japan was very professional, even from that they were sponsored, they were Team Energen. Um, yeah. What do you remember from the other teams? Um, I remember getting, like, playing other countries was, was huge. Like Kate Soda, you talk about Kate Soda. She was like 15 at the time. <laughs> like, you know, I, I was still coaching with USA Baseball in 2017. And I was like, oh my God, she's still playing. Yep. She's still and still owning it. Level. She's still yeah, last like, World Cup. She was Jay Lillywhite. Yep. Like, how old are you guys? Like, <laughs> like I wish, I only wish that we knew what was happening while it was happening 20 years ago, yep. that we could embrace a little bit more of how special it, it, it was that, you know, to be given that opportunity and that, you know, it, it was truly special that we got to play against each other and, um, you know, compete in our sport that, and be given those opportunities. Yeah, it's something I always listen to when the girls that went to that trip from the Australian team talk about that trip. It's spoken about so differently to others it's really remembered so fondly because it was that i mean the australians went on a four-week epic trip there was a mini tournament before they went to niagara they went to the hall of fame there's yeah it's amazing one of, one of my memories though is so in our hotel i remember that the japanese team stayed right downstairs from us and it wasn't like a first floor and a second floor they legit stayed right like our rooms were here and their rooms were here 
So we got, had tons of interactions with them, but nobody spoke English. <laughs> so they'd come up to our rooms and they would just sit there and they were playing with like hair gel and we're like, they're fascinated by our hair gel. <laughs> we're, like, we're sitting there in our rooms. We're like, what do we, what do we do? <laughs> like they don't speak any English, <laughs> but they just love to just sit there and they, they would try to talk with us and they converse, but there was no, it was like, wow. And then, and then when we won the world series, I remember those same players that we became close to, even though we couldn't even, we couldn't converse. We came, clo became close with them and here they are, you know, bawling their eyes out in the middle, you know, when they, they lost. And it was like, oh my God, like hugging them. And, you know, it was like, it was, it just truly special memories that, you know, it, but that that's how anyone would take the defeat. But from the 2001 World Series, it was sort of ebbed and flowed over the next few years. There was the 2002, there was a couple of, there was one in Florida, there was one in Australia, then there was another one in Australia. Um, and then we hit 2004 and then there was a World Series. I've spoken of obviously the World Series in Japan. And then there was a World Cup. They announced the yes. official World Cup. So I want to talk about 2004. Now, the USA team, for someone like myself, who's an absolute baseball tragic, you guys seem to what, you, you seem to have like what it was half of the Colorado Silver Bullets on your team. It was really hard for me. That was why I went to the World Cup. And it was really hard for me as a, as a player. I, mean, I wanted to beat you guys, but I'm sitting in that dugout just going, oh my God, look at all, that's her and that's her. And that. I was like this, I was fangirling. Tell me about that team. Like some of the players. That was like, that was such a special team because we had, we had Silver Bullets that were still available. Like that were still, you know, at our, that we could, that came out to tryouts. It is like we we were asking in 2001, 2002, 2003. We were asking like, where are the where are the silver bullets? Like where are they? You know, like are they? Is anyone still playing? Like where? Somebody have any contacts? Can we, you know, contact them? Anyone still playing? But for anyone that doesn't know, like the silver bullets. They had, you know, Phil Negro, they had the coaching that they received and every single day and to be able to play against, you know, other minor league, men's minor league teams at that level and compete, that level of female athlete in our sport was just like truly special. Mm. And to be able to have that available, those players, whether they, we had pitchers, we had, um, you know, Laura Persa, Kim Bratz Vassad, um, Bridget Venema. We, uh, those were big names. Like I couldn't even imagine, like thinking about how it, uh, an opposing pitcher was going to face that lineup. Like I was like there, like, geez, what do you do? Like if you're an opposing pitcher, like you just stated, like that you see these players coming up to bat and you're like, oh, you know, uh, how do you even, you know, you, you, how do you pitch to them? How do you, yeah. you face that lineup? Then given the combination of the two, and that was something that the manager made very clear to all of us. The manager in 2004 was Marty Scott. Um, and, you know, he brought everyone together and he was a complete baseball guy, owned a minor league team, um, very knowledgeable, knowledgeable of the game. And he completely embraced coaching women 
And he was so knowledgeable of the game that he was able to recognize that what he had, that he had, you know, I have this group of women that have consistently been playing in leagues. And I have this group of women who have been consistently playing pro baseball against minor league men's teams. How do we bring, best bring them together to compete? And the you know, he was able to do that and without ever second guessing himself and we were successful. Mm. So Yeah, you took yeah. took the gold. I mean, there was only five teams, but for I think my memories from that World Cup was we it was almost like Women's baseball had arrived. We'd finally got that stamp of approval, the, the International World Cup, and, and obviously Japan, Australia, Canada, Chinese Taipei there for the first time. Um, I spent a lot – I was a rookie. I spent a lot of time on the bench that World Cup, um, so I was very – learning a lot and obviously, as, as I said, fangirling. I do remember our semi-final, and we our coach got ejected, Australia versus the <laughs> USA. There was a call at first base. And our coach got ejected. It was called safe, and it was out. Well, that's my vivid memory. What's um, what's your memory from that? Apart, obviously, the gold. I remember. I remember traveling was a big thing from, because we traveled out to. I remember where all the trials were here in the states. Um, I remember like getting together for camp because we always hold camp here in the United States, and they try to hold camp at a location that would be like most conducive to our playing environment wherever the World Cup is going to be. Um, so we had camp here in my hometown of Lynn, Massachusetts. Um, so I remember like being on the, the first day, being on this big shuttle bus with all the women that they made the team. And they're like so nervous that, you know, there's like the real deal. It's like getting on the, you know, getting on the shuttle with Michael Jordan, <laughs> you know, if you're a basketball player. like. I'm not going to say a peep, you know, like, you know, let me, let, I'm going to let them do the talking. Yeah. I'm just going to you know, <laughs> just get on the field and let's play. Um, and we came together and, you know, we truly, those memories of all, you know, everyone is just truly special that we were. And it's, un, it's just looking back, it's like, you know, that was so long ago. I just wish that we were, that it happened like five years sooner that it happened yeah. just a little bit sooner in our careers that um to be able to to have that for a little bit longer i mean the players today or not now that they've changed the world cup um the playing the world cup status of every um so every four years those world cup players they they've been spoiled they get to play every two years their mm. entire you know, if you're 16 years old, look at that career that you're about to have. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm jealous that in terms of memories, that's what it comes down to that, you know, I have so many memories that truly special that of all my teammates and, you know, other opposing teams. So and connections. Yep. You take the gold, you take the first gold in 2004 and then we move ahead to 2006 and, and Julie Croteau she takes the reins as head coach which is huge female coaching a women's baseball team for the US is amazing and and you I read you said it was most well well organized and well coached team everyone was so relaxed what do you think brought that on Julie <laughs> in 04 she was the assistant coach so she was right underneath Marty Marty Scott so the two of them together, I mean, there was no, you know, Marty was such a baseball guy that, you know, he'd, you know, he, he playing third, he, he, you know, he'd say, you know, just back up, she's not button, 
<laughs> you know, he knew. He knew the game prior so much further than it was happening. So that it was, you know, so well organized. And, you know, he was, he knew, just knew his stuff. He knew the game. Um, playing for Julie, Julie, the, the tryouts and um, 06, everything was just, it, it was very well organized. It was very well run. Um, it was like we had the, the budget. We knew the players that were available. We, you know, we had very um, fair tryouts and we had some new faces come on, you know, come shine through and come, you know, come about. And in 06, again, we come out in the same roster with some new faces and, you know, it was like, wow, the sport grew. Mm. Um, it grew here, the national team grew here in the United States. Um, and again, we're on paper, we're deadly <laughs> coming into the World Cup. So, I, I mean, having Julie, Julie, like, I, I don't know if you remember that the, um, the music in Taiwan. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> CD that kept playing yes. about baseball. <laughs> the umpire that brought her CD. I mean, and we were like, oh my God. <laughs> But then they put on some, um, I think of the Canadians, I think the Canadians had brought a CD or something, yep. a CD, um, <laughs> and we were playing it. And so they, we only ever got through the first three, three songs, but the songs were the, piss, the Pussycat Dolls. <laughs> um, so I remember vividly, I remember Julie Croto like dancing in the dugout and it just, it just made everything in, in the most heated experiences and stressful experiences of 2006. I mean, we're, we were losing and, but Julie, she just, I mean, the, the level of relaxation was just, you know, I, I wish, I, I hope that that's how I can react if I'm ever put in that situation. Yep. Um, so yeah, the baseball, truly baseball mind and just what she brought to the game was just you know, hey, just go out there. I mean, in 2006, in the championship game, we went through every pitcher in the entire, <laughs> the yes. entire dugout. There weren't any more arms available. Julie was like, you know, you're up. <laughs> so, I mean, it was just, and the, and the way things all worked out in 2006, it was, you know, to be the way that that game went, yeah. that, you know, neck, you know, back and forth with Japan, it's such a tight game, and then the skies open up, and the you know the fifth inning stretch. It was but Julie, just completely level-headed. Whatever happens, relax, singing, dancing, whatever. <laughs> that was the environment. That was it. Was great. It was great playing for her. Uh, well, I want to ask what uh, USA got wins in an epic game against as against Japan, as you said. Um, you take the MVP of the tournament you dominate what what did you do in those two years what did you do to change your game to be the mvp of a world cup because that is epic that is top of the trophy shelf <laughs> but i i just i went out and trained i mean that's the big thing about women's baseball is that um you know we play for the love of the game and there's there's nothing driving us there's nothing we go on our own like that was, you know, I was waking up early in the morning and going lifting and working out and 
I go to work full time, get out of work, and I would go throw, I would go field. Like I just did that much more um, to prepare for the 2006 World Cup. And I can't speak to all athletes, um, but I, I know that like even in 2004, when the opportunity was presented of making the USA team, like the official sanctioned USA team, it kind of increased, you know, the level of what was going to be required of me as yep. an athlete. Um, whether it be more official, that it was, you know, hey, you got to get your game, get you got to rise to the occasion, or or not, or you know. Mm. So um, that's just what I took on is that you know I got myself in in better shape, um, and you know I, I did the workouts that were provided for us online I did um you know more sprint workouts more whatever was uh, you know given to me that I accepted it and rose to the occasion um I know that all all female athletes that's what we do we we're not getting paid for this um it's strictly your choice and yeah. I just kind of you know that's what I did I know that you know that's how we all feel that you know the, when it's the World Cup, you know, it only happens every two years. That's what we live our, we hang our hats on is that, you know, we, after the, after we participated and played in a World Cup, you wait for the, you know, the announcement of where the next World Cup is going to be, <laughs> Yeah. you know? So, um, that's how it was back then. And, um, and your whole life revolves around those two years. Yeah. Um, you know, so what you're going to do in the off season, like everything is strictly regimen and you, you either embrace it or you don't. Um, and I just kind of, uh, rose the occasion. Hey, but in 2006, that was the most incredible team. I mean, you go through that lineup and I mean, those memories, uh, besides in the stories to be told of the championship game and, you know, and having to be so thankful, that you, you, the Australians put us in that position because we, we went into it losing to Canada. So we put ourselves out of medal contention immediately. Yeah, it was a weird, it was a weird World Cup, wasn't it? Because it was only the top two played for gold and silver yep. and the rest didn't. And I remember, and so the bronze was allocated based on a runs per innings differential. And there was a battle. We had a one of my standout memories in that World Cup, a few of them, we saw Cuba for the first time, which was absolutely fantastic. And they, the stories out of Cuba was, um, it was awesome. The passion they had and Chinese Taipei stepped up another level. They absolutely put it to us. Yeah. And then Canada, we had to beat them by six runs or more to take the bronze medal. We ended up not beating them by the six runs and they got the bronze and we came fourth again. And it was it was just like you realized that women's baseball had arrived again and it's just like just kept yeah. stepping up but it was the aussies beating canada that lifted us it was head to head that you guys beat canada and put us into the gold medal game because we were already out of medal contention you're welcome so, I mean, so, was... so when are you going to send me part of your gold medal then <laughs> <laughs> yes i mean you know, you can't tell the story without saying, you know, how thankful we are that that had happened that way. That I mean, it could have easily one pitch that it could have easily been so much different and with a different ending. Yeah. But 
Yeah, I mean, even the, the stories of the championship game, it's, you know, to be going, you know, back and forth and to be at, right out the gate, we were, you know, we went ahead by five runs, five zip, and then it was, you know, five, four, and it was just an absolute, the best baseball game. Uh, total nail biter. I know that Mickey Partridge, who is the CFO, who is the um, head of the, she was the, our um, women's, the director of the women's team for USA Baseball. I know that she tells the stories about being up in the bathroom <laughs> in the stands and not being able to come out. <laughs> she was, you know, totally up there nail biting and not being able to come out. She's like, you don't know what you girls are doing to me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just can't even imagine. I can't, you know, and then the, the way it all turned out that, you know, the fifth inning stretch, they, you know, they come out and they manicure the field. Mm. And then, then the skies open up and we get another break. So it was, you know, and then it was like, how are we going to return? Cause the, our starting pitcher couldn't come back out. Yep. Um, so it, and legit, we went, we burned through every pitcher in the dugout and we we're like, who, you know, nobody. And then we struggled with throwing strikes. It was just, it was like, like it was, you know, it's such a nail biter and to come out and, you know, to beat Japan, you know, obviously to win the world cup is, you know, I need not say it was just incredible, but those stories from 2006 are unreal. It's so important. You keep saying about the stories and it's so important that we, we talk about the stories because unfortunately for, for all of us that played in that first well, really about the first six World Cups, they they didn't, like the last two World Cups, they've been live streamed on YouTube and everyone's got their little vision, these little highlights, and it's absolutely fantastic women's baseball has reached that point. But I know from my career, I've got this one game on a VHS from 2004, one, that one random DVD that someone found of that game from 2008, and there's a couple from 2010, and you just hold on to those. The rest you've just got to try and make sure you're remembering correctly. It's... Yes, and we've got to really share these stories more. I have um, the entire 2004 championship game on VHS <laughs> against Japan. Oh, that is awesome. Yeah, it's on YouTube. I'll have to. It's, it, it's on YouTube. Um, and you hear the commentator, which was a friend of mine, a teammate's mom, who had my camcorder, and she was like, Donna, you're your battery is running low, Donna, hurry up. Because <laughs> it was my camcorder, you know, it was that, that long ago. <laughs> I was about to say, for all of the kids that are listening to this, we're talking about VHS, we're talking about CD. <laughs> I, think, yes. I think I talked about dialing a telephone. I think we're really aging ourselves here. <laughs> yeah. The pussycat dolls, we, you know, they don't even exist. <laughs> oh, it's a, yeah. it's a time machine. Two gold medals in a row. You guys, we go off to the 2008 uh, World Cup in in Japan. Obviously, Japan looking to, to bounce back and take it on their home soil. Women's baseball, I know from our perspective, and I go back to something that you said there that I know that in Australia, we, we stepped it up. I know there was a saying that Sam and I, a lot of the girls had. It was always like, do you want to go out? Do you want to do this? Do you want to go to a party? And we were, the answer was always, I can't. I have baseball. And it was whether you were going to the gym, you were doing that extra thing at lunchtime. What did the USA team do? There you are, you're two-time gold medalists. How do you guys get better? Two gold medals, um, and you had the 
the core of that team getting older. Um, you know, mm. we had some injuries. I myself had a, an injury. So you had, and then you had some very talented young players coming up. So it was like, do we, do we bring, do we go young? And do we, you know, do we just, you know, throw, throw the youngsters out there and, you know, like turn over, you know, the new, new leaf here in the United States? Do we, do we, how, how, how do we make this team up? Like what's, mm. what do we hang on or not? Um, and we had a lot of fresh faces. We had a lot of talented ball players. Um, but there, we were missing the deadly factor. We you were missing some key hitters. Um, and you know, we had gone through like some, there were younger, younger players coming up that were, you know, and the, the older players, Kim Bratz Wasad, she had come on as a coach. She had retired. So, I mean, that was a huge, you know, hole out in the outfield and in the lineup. We had tryouts out in um, California right before flying out to Japan. So um, a lot of us, you know, and we, we brought the Canadian national team down out to California prior to heading out to the World Cup. And we scrimmaged against the Canadians for, you know, like three days. So, I mean, it was, it kind of felt rushed and it didn't feel, it was certainly not relaxed. And um, you didn't have that, that kind of security blanket that you felt comfortable with, you know, yep. those, the same teammates and the same, you know, like, um, you know, the same team going, going to battle that, you know, you now had some, a lot of new faces and, you know, kind of questioning where you fit in on this yep. again. Um, and kind of questioning, like, is this, you know, this is, you know, where are our holes that we need to fill like questioning. Um, so yeah, we went out and we lost the world. We, we come, we got the bronze mm. for me. That was just, you know, uh, it's not the same. <laughs> um, yeah, that was the, that was defeat. That was. Um, it was hard. They're very hard to accept that. Yeah, but, I remember. I remember the, that game. That was. Um, I spoke about it uh, earlier in one of my earlier podcasts, and it was. It's one of the best games I think that we've played. Bronze medal games are always amazing. It's. I, I spoke about it with Veronica Alvarez because we remember you guys. You you lot. You won it, but you looked like you'd lost. And here we were, playing. The game was two one. We had a couple of plays where. Look, we think we should have won. Remember looking at you guys and we're like, you just won bronze. We've come forth for the third time in a row. And we're like, we're hearing reports. Someone put a medal in the bin and we're like, no way. That can't be true. We're like, but then we don't, we don't realize you guys have just won two gold. Like bronze is not gold for you guys. That, that feeling yeah. would have been really hard. Yeah, that was hard. That was hard. Very hard. Yep. Very difficult to accept that, that, Yeah. But, you know, it was, you know, it, it, it was another, you know, experience and I have yep. tons of memories and, you know, new faces that, you know, we got to know the Veronica Alvarez's mm. and, you know, and, um, Anna Cambral came up, like there was so many new faces coming up. They just weren't there yet. Um, but, 
it, like I said earlier, that I only wish that it happened for us like five years prior. Yeah. Like if I could just five more years. Yeah. <laughs> no, I hear. <laughs> so you retire after that World Cup? Yes. You go and have a daughter? And then yep. you come back to the coaching ranks in 2000, 2011, 2012. Is that something you, did you have a goal? You wanted to coach the USA team? Is it something you wanted to do? How did that come about? Um, I just, I wanted to stay a part, a voice um, in the, you know, in the direction, in the, our, um, the director of the women's program, Mickey Partridge, uh, she had retired. So they brought on, um, they had hired, um, what's her, I can picture her. <laughs> Jeez, the, um, Was it, is it Ashley Bratcher? Yes, yes. Yes. They, so they hire Ashley Bratcher and, uh, you know, she right out of college, no experience with women's baseball. So I just wanted to, you know, stay on board and to be a voice to, you know, any, any questions that she had or, you know, and just to stay active in women's baseball um, and in, in the national program and just provi you know, provide for her anything that she would need or, or may need and just stay active in the, in the program and developing players. Um, and in 2011, I was invited to coach um, for a development program, um, which I did uh, in 2011 and 2017. Yep. Now, I, I read that you were pretty vocal on the approach taken by the USA in, in 2012 to pick their World Cup squad. Um, you were a bit concerned they were putting too many softballers or all softballers and taking that approach, which I understand. Um, we're very, it's not we're, not, we're not tribal, but as we spoke earlier, we're two different sports and you want, you want sports to be developed. You don't want sports not to be developed. What was, yeah, why did you take that strong stance? I took the stance because of what, you know, we had, we had hit, uh, um, you know, it was a question of where, where, where the national team was going to go. Cause you have girls playing baseball in the States that we are not developing, mm. that we are not providing for that USA baseball does not provide that. They don't provide, and they don't provide for the boys either to develop their game. So how do we best develop those girls baseball players? So here we are, we have this pool available of division one athletes and soccer players. That is great that we have that pool to choose from. However, there's not enough consistent play of baseball here in the States for any athlete to come out of the softball pool of division, division one athlete to then go directly into a World Cup and play and, and expect them to be successful yep. at the World Cup yep. of baseball. It's just, it's like, honestly, it's like taking a basketball player, a Division One basketball player and saying, hey, you know, or, you know, or soccer, hey, you can run fast, we're going to send you over there and you're going to make the Division One, um, the World Cup mm. um, team, the yep. national team. So for you know it we're what do you you know you have to feel the team um i think it was just proven you know with alex hugo not this past um the pan am games but the um 2018 world cup 
you know, there was a lot of pressure. You know, she loves baseball, was a baseball player, was a phenomenal softball player um, who just needed a little bit. That's all we need is a little bit more time and some consistent playing for those athletes and we can develop them. However, yep. um, to, to, to think that we, you know, that it, it's just, it's not even fair to ask that of an athlete that you're going to learn the rules, learn how to steal bases and take leads and, um, and hit and hit curveballs that they've never seen. Um, so yeah, it's, it's really not fair. And it, and it goes back to something you spoke about earlier that it, we're 20 years on from the first world series and that was 2012 and they're looking to field a whole team of softballers. And I, I think that we're still sort of talking about these things 20 years after the first world series. We don't have, you still have those. I know there's more things going on. The USA baseball is putting more programs for recognizing girls and women. And there's more girls playing in high school and things. And, and also some college girls playing in college, but we're still lacking for the U S that, structured program the structured leagues and that development is that something you like where do you where do you think they should be and where do you where do you hope they where do you want to see well i know that like i've worked with major league baseball um major league mlb has been doing girls initiatives they've Mm. done the trailblazer series they've done the breakthrough breakthrough series i've worked great with them um and that is completely you know recognizing those girls out there that are coming up and they want to play baseball. And yep. that's recognizing that ba- girls baseball is the fastest growing sport here in the United States. It's just finding them, locating them, and recognizing them and, you know, and, and getting Hold, them. Holding on to them. Yes, and holding on to them throughout, you know, the, the middle school years. Yep. And then again, holding on to them through high school and then you know, not losing them, allowing them to go play college softball, but trying to then get them back again yes. to play, you know, for the World Cup team. So, I mean, they're out there. <laughs> it's just identifying them. Or, like I said, or it's a much diff- more difficult task to take the Division One athlete and then make them yeah. the baseball player. Yeah, because, I mean, I always look at, over the time we look at you guys, we we – we wish you guys had that structure. Like we had our, I think the reason Australian women's baseball we've performed, I mean, you could argue we've performed ahead of above where we should. We're Australia and it's baseball. Like how have we done what we've done? But I think we have those established leagues and the structure of our nationals. And we look at you guys and we go, well, A, we're glad you don't because I think you just dominate every World Cup. But you go, wow, what if, if you guys actually were half better in that structure, you'd be almost unbeatable, I reckon. Yeah, and it's it is our national pastime. Exactly. <laughs> yes. It's yeah. yeah um, it's... You know. Yeah. So uh, that, but that's what the AGB. That's what we're trying to. And then we have all these. You know, we have baseball for all. We have Justine Siegel, who you know she has her, her organization, and she's developing and identifying her kids and her girls. And it's trying to here in the states. It's like a, it's a power struggle on how to best provide like opportunities mm. you know and then it comes down to funding you know huge that we just don't we we have so much to, that we want to accomplish whether at whatever level and whatever organization but we we need the funding like you know you can't do anything with you know without money it, you know yeah and you, you talk about the you're on the is it, you're on the board of the american girls baseball is that correct 
Yes. Yes. Um, and then obviously you've got the All American Girls Professional Baseball League, and there um, I'm a member of, of of them. And it's you read, obviously there's we sort of lose a player every few months, and you worry about. It's so sad that those we go back to those stories aren't going to be there, and and that that's. I think the American Girl, All American Girls Professional Baseball League, is so integral to keeping that spark alive and that story of women's baseball that it's. We need to, yeah, and as you said, there's so many different organisations. Whether being all together, where the voice is stronger, do you think? I so the highlight, one of the highlights of my entire career was that in 2019, in September, I got to um, attend the All American Girls Professional Baseball League reunion out in Syracuse, New York, and I was just it is it ranks right up there i mean we i had such an amazing time that i i just i every every female baseball player should every baseball enthusiast should be able to attend one of these reunions to hear the stories and to watch the videos and to the memories and when i tell you that i went from like complete laughter to tears and it was just so emotional and just really, I mean, an absolute highlight of my career. And I can only, and I'm so blessed that I got to, I got to do this and I got to attend in 2019. Um, because there, who knows how many more there are going to be. Mm. Um, so, I mean, if you have the opportunity, it's, you want to experience this. <laughs> yeah, I I would love to. I uh, I'd absolutely love to meet. I mean, I've, I've been privileged. And we know Maybell Blair and some of the players um, have come to some of our World Cups, and it's been amazing to get to meet those those players. But to actually be at a reunion, that is just that's next level. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was it the it was just unreal to watch the video footage. Um, of previous reunions of their playing, like really absolutely amazing, amazing, you know, sitting there with all these ball players that, you know, that just, they feel the same way that I, you know, that I do about the game. It's yeah. And And it is their legacy that that's what they want is to provide opportunities for girls, other girls coming up now to play baseball. Yeah, it's really commendable what a lot of them are doing, really doing what they can to, 75 years later to, to make sure that girls now don't miss out on what on all these opportunities and the stories we get, that community that we, we get to be a part of. What's next for you? What What's your, I know you said you're on the board and you're doing a little bit of coaching. What, what do you see yourself in women's baseball in the next five, 10 years? I hope, um, you know, the World Cup has changing the format um, and it's basically changing our complete our female athletes. Like it's completely cha- going to change their lives. Like I don't know if anybody knows that yet. <laughs> Everyone can predict that, but I mean, having it every four years, especially as women, um, and hold trying to hold on like to playing baseball, and you know, putting life on hold, and you know, and trying to juggle work. Um, and baseball, it just poses more, you know, conflict for women. Um, so what I hope is that here in the United States that we can develop um, 
a an opportunity for girls to play you know a pro league or that level of like almost like a world series type of, of an event so that we are still achieving that more frequently than every four years um so that every female athlete that is playing at an elite level gets those same opportunities I'm, i was hoping when they released that information that maybe that was like the plan right now under covid um yep. that you know everyone's struggling every country's struggling so yeah i was thinking maybe they just announced this to kind of you know mm. bring it back and try to relax it for the next you know to not have to schedule a date for makeup of the 2020 world cup so i mean we but it's it's just devastating it's devastating we've spoken about your, your college scholarship you've got record after record there you're in hall of fames at your at left right center you've got two gold medals you're a world cup mvp one of the things that you got i think is so cool your batting gloves are in cooperstown yes that yes to me is so cool <laughs> yeah we get um so my family and i um we get free entrance for as long as my gloves are there we get free entrance into the into the cooper the hall of fame yes <laughs> okay next time i come over to cooperstown you're coming with me so i can get a free ticket because i had to pay last time i didn't know that <laughs> yeah the um there's a funny story to that is that in 2006 um, when I returned, they they immediately um, wrote to me and asked me if I would um, donate an, an item, some article. They asked for my glove, they had, um, a number of our items. And we came, I said, agreed upon my um, batting yep. gloves. So 2006 went into 2007. I happened to be out in 2007 um, in August playing in a um, baseball, a men's baseball tournament out in Cooperstown. So um, I had been in touch with uh, one of my connections up there. And, you know, it was, uh, you'll, I, I told them in advance that I would be out there in, you know, August 3rd through the 9th, blah, blah, blah. And um, so the my connection said, you know, oh, great, you know, give me a call when you arrive, um, bring your family and, you know, we'll, we'll get you in to see the exhibit. All right, so I, I head out there. At the baseball tournament that I was playing in, they made this major announcement to all the men at one of the banquets that, you know, this female athlete that's here playing in this tournament, her batting gloves are on display over in Cooperstown. <laughs> so so little do I know, I go, over to the, I go over to the Hall of Fame and I said to the guy at the front door that, you know, my batting gloves are up here and, you know, I was told to, to speak to, you know, so-and-so. He's, all right, come right in. And he brings me up to the second floor to the exhibit. And we walk through and there's no batting gloves. <laughs> and we walk through again and I'm like, well, maybe, I don't know, is there, an, there's no other exhibit. This is the woman's exhibit. So I'm like, this, I don't know, is this a mistake? So I go back down to the lobby and I call my connection and I say, hey, um, you know, so I'm here with my family and um, I don't know if I'm mistaken. You said they were, you know, I don't see them. <laughs> Are they hidden? Are they somewhere else? 
you said it would be all set and we, you know, come up, you know, absolutely come on up. And so he, he calls me back and he says, I, I'm going to come over right now and I'll come down and I'm, I'm going to see you. The woman who was in charge of the exhibit had ruptured her Achilles. So she was out. So the entire exhibit was put like immediately on hold. And he was so apologetic. And he said, you know, I'm so sorry. Here's what I'm going to do to make it up for you. He said, you'll still be in town on, you know, Sunday. I want you, you can, you know, you can select whoever you want to bring in, but I'm going to give you a private tour of Cooperstown, of the Hall of Fame. Wow. Just you and who you choose. I want you to come on in. And that's what I'll do for you to make this up, up to you. So I, I head over there on Sunday morning with my um, with my mother and um, one of the the guys that were playing in the um, this in this tournament, and um, the guy actually pretended to be my father. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we go over there, and he brought me downstairs like you had like FBI clearance in order to get downstairs in the Cooperstown in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, you had to like put on the white gloves. And honest to God, like the baseball artifacts, <laughs> rows and rows and shelves, you name it. I was like in complete awe <laughs> that, that I was in the, you know, it, when you like the old, um, like crown Royal used to give out yeah. award, like, um, different sponsors like tobacco and um, alcohol sponsors that they're not allowed to give out those awards anymore, but they're all downstairs. Mm. They had rows and rows of bats that you just, you just switch like, a, like the slot machines at a casino. <laughs> it was just all bats. Wow. Like Bobby Abreu, um, you know, and they were explaining like, you could just take any battle, Sammy Sosa's bat. And it was like, wow like this is just absolutely i got to hold babe ruth's jersey and it was it was like baseball heaven Jeez. um it was the year that Cal ripken was inducted so all of his items were out on a table it was so so then i come upon on a shelf right next to roger clemens hat <laughs> were my my batting gloves no way. and i I was like so excited. I was like, just leave them here. <laughs> just, I know they're in the building. Like, That's enough for me. <laughs> yes. but absolutely. Just baseball heaven that I got to experience what the basement of the Hall of Fame is. That Far just That's... unbelievable. The history there that just, you know, I, and we spent, we got to spend like two hours down there just Rome in the halls. It was just wow. unbelievable. It's yeah. an amazing place. I remember we went there 10, 12 years ago and then we, we, were, we spent a whole day in there and then we didn't, we realised it was like an hour before it's closing and we're rushing and we're like running and we didn't get to see everything and it's like, I can't wait to go back. And I'll, I'll ask them, I'll, I'll drop your name and I'll see if I can get a uh, trip down to the basement. <laughs> <laughs> so then, so, um, in 2000, what year was it? 2015, when the US were up there playing the Japan Japanese yes. national yep. team before we were tuning up for the Pan Am games. We went over to Cooperstown again, myself and a, a number of friends. And they, again, they wave us all in. So they, they bring us up to the exhibit. 
So, you know, there's a guy in a suit and he's bringing us up to the exhibit. So there's all like little boys in the exhibit and they're all, you know, they're pointing. So my friend who's with me, she says, hey, she says, see those batting gloves right there? Those belong to her. And the boys are like, <laughs> like, yeah, right. I'm like, no, really, <laughs> no, really, it's mine. <laughs> those are mine. I have, a, I, have the, I have the greatest story, but those really were mine. They were. <laughs> so, yeah. It's, 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 pretty, it's yeah. funny how you said when they asked you to give you, to give them your glove, I would have been like, it's funny because we don't, I don't know about you. The glove is something you carried on the plane to every World Cup. It's like your baby. And it's like, you only get, we're not like Roger Clemens. We don't have 17 gloves and we're working like night gloves, day gloves, away gloves. There's no way, I, like you'd be like, oh, do I give my glove to the Hall of Fame? But I don't have another one. Yeah, and I was like, that was my MVP glove. I was like, we don't do yeah. that. Where, where's that glove? My very final question, where is that glove now? Do you have your own Hall of Fame at home? You want to hear what happened to it. So in 2006, right before I left for the World Cup, I got a puppy. Oh, no. <laughs> so, so my dog, my puppy, puppy, Five minutes, ate a hole oh. right through that glove. No. Yes, my puppy, Dakota. <laughs> Dakota ate the glove. It, and it was, I couldn't repair it. No. I couldn't, I couldn't sew it. I couldn't patch it. There was no, it, that's what she did to me. <laughs> that's what I got for leaving. <laughs> so, yeah. So, they, they didn't get the glove. <laughs> they weren't getting the glove. <laughs> <laughs> the glove's gone to God. Oh, yeah. another glove like it ever. We could talk for hours, and I and I hope that we um, get an opportunity to talk again about women's baseball. I definitely will because I think there's so many stories that we just need to keep telling um, from all of these World Cups, before the World Series, after the World Series, and everything. So we've only just scratched the surface with you, and I really thank you for taking your time. I really hope that um, all these the young players that listen know all the language that we're talking and can push through push through the chat of us two oldies and really understand what we went through but yeah look a trailblazer you are you're an amazing athlete amazing person and i really thank you for taking the time to be on the show thank you thank you for having me and thank you for giving our sport and our athletes a voice because there's nothing like it and thank you you're welcome thanks for tuning in for today's episode of women's baseball the inside pitch make sure to check the show notes below for links to some of the things we've discussed and mentioned in this episode. We would also love it if you could subscribe to the show and leave us a review. And if you have some time, throw us some love over on social media at Women's Baseball, The Inside Pitch. Catch you next time.